0: Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: <laughs> Welcome to a podcast where we look back on classic Celtic games and boy oh boy do we have a classic for you tonight and who better to have on with me than mr tom rankin tomo how are we i'm not too bad thanks and yourself very good tomo very good after watching this game it picked me right up and i'm sure it picked you right up so why don't you let the listeners know what it is as if they haven't read it in the wee bio or when they've downloaded this but let's just go for it anyway let's know what we're looking at tonight
2: I'm pretty sure they do know unless they're particularly simple if they've not clicked on it already. Tonight, it is Celtic 3 into Milan 3, February the 19th, 2015.
1: Now, Now, when you talk about classic matches, this is an absolute classic, Tom. Watching it back, as I said, just put me in a good mood. It just got the energy levels up and good to go. So what we'll do here is, is we'll take you back to 2015. Celtic were managed by Ronnie Dial at the time. This was in his first season. Uh, February of course and Celtic had beaten Reykjavik in the first Champions League qualifier we then went on to play Legia Warsaw in the infamous tie that finished at four each overall and Celtic went through on away goals there was a wee a wee mishap by Legia Warsaw and Celtic went through but we were drawn against Maribor in the final qualifier and like Celtic, we did the hard bit and drew one away but when it came to the home leg, we get beat 1-0. So it was a disastrous start for Ronnie Diler. We were playing the Reykjavik game and the Legia Warsaw games at Murrayfield. It just wasn't good and so we dropped into the Europa League where Celtic had a group consisting of Salzburg, Dynamo Zagreb and Astra. Now, Craig Gordon done pretty well in this and Celtic managed to finish second in their group and went through to the last 32 of the Europa League.
2: As for Inter Milan, they also had Icelandic opposition in the qualifiers, but it was for the Europa League. They beat Icelandic cracks Stjarnan, 9-0 in aggregate, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, which then led to a group containing Dnipro, Carabag, who Celtic fans know well, and St Etienne, Lubo's former team, and who have always had a history of cracking football shirts. Oh, yes. Uh, This would be the first competitive match between the two clubs since 1972, European Cup semi-final, which Inter Milan won on penalties, extracting some revenge after Celtic pumped them 2-1 in 1967. Uh, Prior to this, Inter Milan had played in Glasgow five times and failed to win on each occasion. Uh, They were recently taken over by Roberto Mancini and Rangers, very kindly, let them use Murray Park prior to this game. Um, they were in decent form at Milan having just beaten Atalanta 4-1 the week previous
1: that seems to be a running theme that Rangers give up old Murray Park for the <laughs> opposition from Celtic but so charitable after a, oh, of course of course after a, a sticky start to the season under Ronnie Diler Celtic were starting to get into their stride they were a re- rejuvenated team after the winter break and they had won seven straight games including a victory in the first ever Glasgow derby against the Rangers They won 2-0 at Hamden Park. Chris Commons and Lee Griffith scored. Now Celtic were playing well this time. We went into this game without... Mikel Lustig, Charlie McGrew, James Forrest and Chris Commons. Now Lustig and Commons were probably regulars. Forrest and McGrew in and out due to injury but this was the first appearance at Celtic Park for Stuart Armstrong and Gary mackay Stephen who'd signed in the January, but most of Celtic games had been away from home, so this was their first appearance on the big stage.
2: Uh, yeah, they must have been bricking it, to be fair. Uh, it's probably the, <laughs> the biggest games of their career by quite some distance at that point. 60,000 streaming fans at Celtic Park, they used to, what, 10,000 at Tannadice prior oh, to generous. that. <laughs> that's very generous. Uh, as for Celtic, they lined up with Craig Gordon and Goal's, Adam Matthews, Jason Denier, Virgil Van Dyke, Izaguiri, midfield two of Brown and Beaton, Gary Mackay Stephen on the right hand side, Stefan Johansson, Stuart Armstrong, and Lee Griffiths on his own up front. Uh, coming on for Celtic in this game would be Effie Ambrose, Liam Henderson, and John Guidetti. More on that later. Uh, unused subs for Celtic was Lucas Aluska, Stefan Skepovic, Wakaso, uh, and a young Callum McGregor.
1: Oh, McGregor sticks out like a sore thumb there now, doesn't he? <laughs> he sure does. At hey, Milan, where on the up after the uh, Manchinid came in, they lined up Carizzo, Campagnaro, Ronakia, Jesus, Santon, Guarin, Medel, Shakiri, Kuzmanovic, Icardi, and Palacio. A few household names in there, a load of good players. And of course, with this being a sort of a topical game for Celtic, the uh, Lisbon Lions gave the players a guard of honour. Before the match coming onto the pitch, probably should have been the other way around. One more thing to note: the game was on BT, and we of course had Derek Ray, but alongside him, Gary McAllister. Oh, how times change! How times change!
2: <laughs> he was bloody loving it, by the way. He was. Oh, he was. Big at was atmosphere, big time at Celtic Park.
1: So that's it. Lisbon Lions give Celtic a guard honor onto the pitch in Milan. It's a big game, Tom looking back on it it's pretty heartbreaking now because the place is rammed it, the noise is unbelievable and it's just what we're missing right now a big European night at Celtic Park MD that says oh, sacrifice Europe all that nonsense that we say this is what it's all about being a Celtic fan isn't
2: it it is and I find that an absurd statement when people do say that just concentrate on the league uh, you get the old famous Celtic Park camera shuggle at the start of this game because oh, you're oh. so loud and yeah, obviously what everyone's gone through at the moment, the longing to get back to Celtic Park, and this game is what it's all about.
1: So let's get into it, Tom. Kick off, and unfortunately for Celtic, we don't need to wait long for the first goal, do we?
2: Sadly not. Uh, it was, I think, it was about three minutes in before Inter decided to strike first. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's a a long ball from Inter Milan, poor from Virgil Van Dijk, lets Shakiri wriggle away from him, and a shot straight at Craig Gordon's near post, which I think Craig Gordon should have done better with. He saved it, parried it straight back to Shakiri, who had an easy task of passing it into the net.
1: A poor start from Celtic and it's, it's poor from Big Virgil, poor from the guy we, we know the guy comes on to become he becomes one of the best centre-halves in the world but there's a couple of mistakes from him this game that he's definitely ironed out and Craigie G, that shot's going well wide, he should be known, he should know what's happening there and he parries it back out to Shakiri. See when Shakiri scores and he celebrates and just stands there? The guy's an absolute unit, isn't he?
2: He's um, he's made of steel. He's got some physique on him. I don't know if he's still got that physique. He looks a bit at in his later years at Liverpool and Stoke, etc. Um, but this was a period in time when he just left Bayern Munich, I think. Um, and he was kind of on the up again after a bit of a lull. But he was fantastic in this game, Shakiri.
1: He was and he has a hand in the second goal in 14 minutes Celtic fall further behind. Throw in from Inter Milan. Shakiri turns and has a shot with his save but from the resulting corner the ball's played to the edge of the box again to Shakiri You'd think the guy scored. He's just shot. Maybe mark him on the edge of the box would be a good idea but Celtic fail to do that. He plays the ball back into the box Izaguiri clears it but blasts it straight off Virgil van Dijk falls perfectly to Palacio who places his shot right through Craig Gordon's legs Palacio great finish poor from Celtic defensive wise again but that haircut man it is wild isn't it? it's comfortably
2: one of the worst haircuts I've ever seen on a footballer Do you remember <laughs> um, James McFadden had something similar when he was breaking through it at Motherwell he had a bright red oh, rat, rat tail, tail. Yeah. Um, but it's obviously working for Palacio. Palacio, how you pronounce it? He's still playing at Bologna at thirty-nine years old. Um, still in is the Serie A. Eh? Yeah, yes. Um, I looked it up earlier because I thought, what's happened to him? Because it mentioned during commentary he played in the twenty fourteen World Cup final, and thought he was a right good player. And yeah, he's still kicking a ball, still at Bologna, uh, still at high level.
1: a fair play to him. He's thirty-nine. Like, he's not. Uh, he's not a runner, is he? So he can still no. do it. And look, there's a that we'll describe it later in the game. But this isn't Milan team maybe not the best but still a load of cracking players just when you see the the pass and the technique on these guys it's unbelievable and looking at this Celtic team that I always describe Ronnie Dyler's second season as the Dark Dyler days because it was some of the worst football I ever watched but in this first half we are sort of seeing Celtic becoming something, we'd seen it, they were doing well in the league, there was obviously no Rangers in the league so we weren't sure how they were going to do when they came up to a challenge but Ronnie Dyler's style of play, the pressing, the intensity there's an honesty about this team the pressing is really good really intense and with John Collins at the sidelines as well, he'd be proud the passing, the movement, the tempo is there but we just lack that wee bit of quality the players are doing the game plan but they just don't have that quality it's that final ball that's letting them down, that, that, that final pass that they just lack but everyone's making themselves available everybody's pressing, it's great to watch isn't it?
2: it was uh, nobody's hiding at all Um, like you say great energy levels which obviously is what Dyla was going for right at the start if you've got John Collins there as well that's going to be instilled in them Um, but yeah you're right it was just the final ball decision making wasn't great in the final third Um, I thought Griffiths looked a wee bit lost at times in the first half up against sort of crafty veteran Italian defenders Um, but yeah, like I say we'd done not too bad but still after 15 minutes we find ourselves two goals down but it wouldn't
1: be long before Celtic get back into the game, Tommy, would it?
2: Yep, not long at all. Uh, Celtic would claw a goal back. Uh, it's a, a debut Celtic Park goal for Stuart Armstrong. Um, excellent tight play between Matthews and Brown on the right-hand side. Pass sent to Stefan Johansson. Johansson plays the ball back to Matthews, gets to the byline, and something we've not seen this season from any Celtic fullback keeps his composure, picks a pass, and there's Stuart Armstrong to tuck it into the bottom corner.
1: So smashing goal, some great playing, that's what I'm talking about, these tight angles. Now that's 24 minutes, Celtic Park erupts and there's uh, that belief back, the ball goes in, Stuart Armstrong sort of grabs it as it hits the net and gets back and it look, straight away, when are you most likely to concede? Just after you've scored, not front of Milan, they're most likely to concede just after they've conceded. A minute later, Matthews throws it into Johansson down on the right hand side and he sort of hooks this ball, hook cross over the, into the middle. Stuart Armstrong's coming in at the back post and gets in there ahead of uh, Campagnaro, but as he hits it, sort of hits off Campagnaro and hits the back of the net. I was, we were both at the game, but I thought it was Stuart Armstrong that scored it, but it doesn't really matter. And when this goes in, Celtic Park goes absolutely mental. Bedlam in the stands. It's was one of the best atmospheres I've ever experienced in my life. It was chaos, wasn't it?
2: It was amazing. Um, I was in the Jockstein lower at the far end, so I didn't quite know if it was Armstrong or a known goal at that time. Um, but yeah, the first goal went in, Inter Milan appeared shook. Um, oh yes. And like I say, it was a bit of a hopeful one in from Johansson. Um, but yeah, job done. If it's Armstrong, if it's Campagnano, or whatever it's called, um, it doesn't really matter. It's two each and we've clawed it back.
1: We're back in the game, two each, and as I said, Celtic are playing really well. We just lack that killer touch. But one of the players I wanted to highlight here, who's had a hand in sort of both of the goals, was Adam Matthews. Uh, as we said, Mikael Lustig was out, but Mikael Lustig was probably at his best when he had Adam Matthews sort of right behind him or taken over him, and he could get rest. Now in this game, I thought Adam Matthews was brilliant. He was. As you say, always available for the ball. He'd take on players, he'd always take it in tight spots and he's already got an assist to his name. He was brilliant, wasn't he?
2: He was absolutely fantastic. Uh, He was very brave on the ball, I thought, as well. Um, And like I say, he'd only been about 22 at this point or something like that. Um, It was was one of the best right-back performances I've seen from a Celtic player for a long time, probably since the days of Jackie McNamara. Um, But he was everywhere, he was defending well, he was bombing up and down the right-hand side. To be honest, it's a performance, I don't remember Lustig having many of them in Europe, but yeah, Adam Matthews was absolutely flawless, uh, flawless tonight.
1: He was excellent, and just to scare you, Tom, he's only just turned 29 in January there. That is unbelievable. He, playing at Charlton, so he's playing at a pretty decent, yeah, decent level, level. But decent level. He's one of those guys who, when he came in, great, two good right-backs, and we let him go, and... That was it, really. We didn't really go out and replace him. It was one of those ones, I maybe time's up, but looking back at this, we could have got more out of the guy, surely, couldn't we?
2: We could have done. Um, he kind of left with a whimper, if I remember, and there wasn't really much of a fuss made when he did go. Um, there was a wee bit of chat about him coming back, I think when Lennon came back the second time in that summer. He was looking at yeah. a few of his old boys, the likes of Matthews, and I think he was like the Ledley and Hooper at one point. Um. But obviously no one really took ticks, to or he's just coming down from the Rodgers era Um. But I mean Adam Matthews over the likes of El Hamed And Frimpong And Ralston He couldn't have been too bad for us if he did come back I don't think Like I say he's only just turned 29 Still playing in the Championship So it's obviously a reasonable player still in there somewhere
1: Yeah there is And oh, it makes you wonder All the right backs we've loaned in as well they oh, so doing better just keeping them But that's old Harry Hindsight again. So that's us back in the game. Parkhead is absolutely bouncing. Stadium's going wild. Celtic sort of need to get themselves to half time, get in, regroup, and go again. But disaster strikes again, doesn't
2: it? It sure does. And it's your old pal Craig Gordon um, responsible yep. for that disaster once again. <laughs> um, in Gordon's defence, I'd forgotten it was pissing down so much this night. Um, they said that at the start of the game, and it was the rain was lashing down. So, the the surface would obviously be fairly slippy, but that's me being extremely generous to Craig Gordon. Sure. um, Because (laughs) it was a horrific mistake. Just a hopeless long ball put towards him. It skids off the surface, and for some reason, he decides to do a full body stretch to try and reach it. Um, He's at at full elevation. He sort of makes a, he grips onto it, lands, and then it falls. It land falls, and the ball uh, squirms free, and it's a tapping for an old pal, Palacio.
1: A t- it couldn't have went any better for the guy. The for the his first goal, it just lands perfectly to him after blasting off Van Dyke's chest sort of thing. And then this one, he, he, he is a bit aware because he's there for the tapping. But I didn't think he expected Craig Gordon to do it. But as you say, it was lashing down. But it's such a I can't even think of many other instances where a keepers went for a ball at like that. He ends up like sort of facing his own goal, trying to die for it side on. It's a weird one, and just as it drops, it bounces. It doesn't even bounce, It just perfectly for Palacio. One of the easiest goals he'll ever score. And Celtic go in at half-time after getting themselves into the game. 3-2 down. It's a bit of a deflating one, but still a plenty of time in the second half to go. So that's us. Tomo out for the second half. Celtic, Milan, it's a quality game, you can tell Milan just by the passing that they are a very good team and, as I said, Celtic just look like an honest team. Maybe not good enough, but they're going toe-to-toe. And one man who gets a chance, who I always feel had chances like this in big games, but just fluffed his lines, Gary Mackay steven He gets in front of the defender and manages this shot. is very weak and it's saved by Carrizo's foot. It just sums up Gary Mackay Stephen for me. He's got all the lovely touches, all the lovely flicks, but as soon as a defender came to him, it was usually just wee boyed out the way. Like, I'll have that son. These Italian guys just know how to play against him. But this one time he gets in, he's just about to take his shot and he sort of gets shoved Mm -hmm. again and it just puts him off and it's just a, a tame, tame shot. It's just one of those ones where... If he had a wee bit more about him, he'd have buried that But I just felt, it's Gary Mackay-Steven He's not going to score on a European night for me What did you think of him as a Celtic player?
2: As a Celtic player, as a whole I don't think he would really adapted to being a Celtic player It seemed that like the club was too big for him yeah. um, In this game in isolation, I thought he actually played quite well The chance you're talking about it was a huge chance and he should have scored it He's one on one with the keeper, it's on his left foot he um, could have popped it through his legs, think to over him, anything. But, like I, I said before, it's probably the biggest game of his of the guy's career at that point. Um, 60,000 fans, massive European night. And, but I thought he did well in this game. But overall, like you say, he's got all the flicks in the world, all the tricks in the world. But he never took his chance consistently. He was injured quite a bit. I think the sort of final nail in the coffin for him was that game, the semi final against Rangers uh, under Dyla, when we got beat on penalties. He got, I think he got hooked in the first half or something like that. I can't quite remember. Um, but yeah, he was a wee guy in that, and that's one thing Celtic fans don't want to see being bullied off the ball by any kind of Rangers player or he's not got the guts for it. He only cost, what, $250,000? It's a gamble of a sign in. Had, had moments here and there, but it was never going to work out for him, I don't think, at Celtic.
1: No, I remember um, me and Jamie actually went to his debut away to Partick Thistle and. I put on 3-1 McKay-Steven to score first and it came in. So I think I won about 100 quid or something. It was a, a decent wee, wee return. So I, I was hoping they'd do well. I, Armstrong scored that night as well, I'm sure. Yeah, he did. I, I just, I'm just felt that he'd score against Thistle, but see if he get the exact same chance that he got against Thistle, against Rangers, against a European team. He just he wouldn't do it. I think he might have played against Man City in the Champions League in the following yeah. year away from home. He did, a and he,
2: had a hell, of... he did, and he had a hell of a chance in that game as well, I remember. I think he was clean through in that game. Um,
1: no, I hate, did he hit, do the same and hit it off his legs or something? Yeah, it? it's,
2: it's hazy yeah, old yeah. memories, but I think it's something similar to that in this Inter Milan game. Um, yeah, he's just, just short of Celtic level, I think, Gary Mackay Stephen. So at the start of the second half, Celtic would begin to pepper Inter Milan's goal with uh, chance after chance. Uh, the next, the next big chance fell to Lee Griffiths uh, with with his original hair and everything. Um, <laughs> cross came in, ball came into Johansson, who chested it down to Griffiths. Great chance, but it was blocked by interkeeper keeper Um How do you think Griffiths did in this game?
1: Uh, as you said, it was just I felt look he's up against Rinochia, who's a really good centre half. Him and Hazers a big, big strong guy. What you'd expect from an Italian team, and I just feel that. Celtic didn't get the killer passing but he was always just on the shoulder trying to get, hoping that the ball would come over or go through to him and it really happens against teams like this, they, they're too savvy for that, they know exactly what they're doing and look, to be fair to him watching this I was like where is this Lee Griffiths now because he's pressing, he's harrying, he's doing everything but I just felt he, like a lot of the players, he lacked that quality. How many times are teams like Inter Milan going to let balls slip through? It's not going to happen. He has to drop deep, get involved in playing. While he's he's working his hardest here. I think you see with him and a couple of other players that the difference Brendan Rodgers made when he came in. He's probably given them that individual coaching, given those those wee things to improve their game. And he was just sort of on the cusp. But this was this chance as well, maybe. Even now, I'm not sure I'd expect Lee Griffiths to score it. It's just one of those ones that a big game against Inter Milan, has he ever really done it in a massive game? He's got a goal against Anderlecht, but everything else is usually all qualifiers for him. I just feel that one-on-one when he has a chance to think about it, it's not his best. What do you think of him in this?
2: I thought he was he looked like a wee boy in this game um, yeah. at this time as a Celtic fan I still have my doubts about him this was before his 40 goal season I think Lee Griffiths at Celtic it um, was
1: the following season wasn't it
2: yeah it, it was um, but I remember being at a Scotland game it was Scotland v Belgium the season before that um, and he was up front in his own for Scotland but he was up against uh, Daniel van Buyten and Jan Vertonghen um, <laughs> both are about at least a foot taller than him but he was just being ragdolled all night but he didn't have that like electric pace to get by them I just didn't think he was suited to being up front in the zone, um, and it was a similar type of game in this one where he was just, he just didn't look a much of a threat, um, unless the ball fell to his left foot like a snapshot or something like that. He had a free kick in the first half, which was sort of Griffiths territory as we know these days, he absolutely ballooned it into the stands. So I just don't know if he just didn't settle in this game or what it was, but I think he was quite rightly hooked for John Gadetti not long after this chance.
0: And now save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: Another guy who is giving his all but just lacks that final ball, which maybe Griffiths was uh, just missing out on, was Stephen Johansson. Now, he yeah, wins player of the year this season playing under Ronnie Dylat and watching him under Dylat, I always liked him because I got the feeling he was one of the only ones who was going bit to the game plan. He was one of the ones who was pressing, who knew what he was doing. The rest, maybe like Commons, just didn't seem to bother as much. Now, as we've said a lot in this game, Johansson, it's all industry, all hard work. He's getting involved in the game. He's pressing. He's getting on the ball they just lacks that final bit of quality. Play the killer pass through, and if Celtic had maybe, maybe a Tom Rogic of today, or or even David Turnbull currently, I think we'd have seen a lot more joy. But when he's out there, when he's giving his all, you can't really argue with that too much, can you?
2: You can. I was a big fan of Johansson at Celtic as well. Certainly during this season, when he did get Celtic's Player of the Year, um, and like you say in this game, he stuck to his guns, stuck to the game plan was very impressive in this game he reminded me of an effective Ryan Christie in this game almost oh, Just yes. he's left footed full of running but he, like you say he lacks that final pass that bit of guile that bit of composure um, but subsequently obviously he had the season after this where he was, didn't quite reach those heights under Ronnie Dyla again um, I don't know if that was a petted lip him wanting to move on or whatever but it was nowhere near as effective um, I remember actually I was his postman for a while um, in that season and he there was one day I went in and there was about six Domino's pizzas boxes outside his front door um, and I thought that's very unprofessional from <laughs> Steph your Johansson oh imagine um,
1: Ronnie and John Collins have seen that I know.
2: off I was scandalised uh, scandalous sorry um, but yeah I don't know what happened in that season after that it didn't seem to happen for him then he was still there when Brendan came in um, and he's one of those players I thought maybe he'll improve back to what it was the season before I'd like to have seen him under Rodgers a bit longer um, but I think he was sold in the August of Roger's first season Down to Fulham or something like that yeah. um, So we never really got to see that sadly But um, yeah on his day He was a great player And that season he was absolutely fantastic um, And this is one of his best games for Celtic I would say
1: Yeah you spot on there I thought he was great this season Just tailed off in the second season And I think With him being Norwegian, having played under Dyla before, he got a lot of undue stick in the second season. People just thought he was Dyla's boy and when things were going wrong, he sort of copped it as well. When really Neil Lennon signed him, it was just coincidence that Ronnie Dyla ended up there with him. And What you're saying is true as well. I thought, looking at our squad, Johansson was one of the guys that would have fitted in perfectly under Dyla. Brendan Rodgers just a pressing machine and we knew how that Rodgers was going to play and I've seen him play a couple of times in the flesh for Fulham since and he's been okay but nothing outstanding so I think we may be seeing the best of him that season and it's maybe something like we're watching with Frimpong now maybe when you get guys like that it's maybe best to sell them when they're at their sort of their best, because it's very rare that you get to see a second season, we've seen it with Izagiri, we've seen it with Johansson, maybe you should just cash in on these guys, certain players you can keep like Dembele who you know is definite quality but guys like Johansson, Kyle Izagiri, maybe you should just cash in on them because I don't know if they can sustain it going forward
2: What did you um, make of Izagiri in this game?
1: He was alright, he's just up and down all energy isn't he but he's another one that just Lacks that lacks that final ball And having Armstrong in front of him helped him I think Because I think they had a decent understanding But it's just that Just the quality But I, I can't really knock him Because he's just all honesty about this team as well They're all just going at it I love it
2: Yes, I thought in this game It's the first thing I've not seen this game for a long time But I thought Aguirre looked Not quite a weak link in this But I thought it's been a while since he's been at his best in this game Yeah Maybe two or three seasons ago. He was still our starting left back at the same stage against Valencia, four seasons later as Aguirre in this. Um and he was absolutely rancid in that game I remember against Valencia. Um but yeah, he just he stayed too long as Aguirre, that's the problem with him. Um he came in and he was superb obviously, but he stayed a fair few seasons too long and then he left and then he still came back. He shouldn't have ever done that, I don't think, either. I thought he was okay in this game, but like I say he made the mistake for the second goal winter. And yeah, I think he was a bit of a weak link towards the end of his time at Celtic.
1: Yeah, he definitely was. We just took too long to replace him. And it was the following season that Ronnie Dyler brings through Kieran Tierney, and the rest was history for him. But this team is a real work in progress. It's a, a fairly young team. We've got Brown and Beaton in the middle. Brown, like he was energy, he was moving about, and it's it was quite weird watching. Because with the Scott Brown we're seeing currently, but him and B Tom are good. They were spraying passes about. They were flying into challenges. And Virgil Van Dijk gets booked for getting the wrong side of Icardi. Now we've already spoke about his mistake for the first the first goal under Palacio eh, when he let Shaqiri get away. Sorry, second goal, not really his fault. The ball just blasts off him. But with this. He let, he let these quality strikers and Palacio and and even shakiri from midfield get away from him quite a lot, didn't he? There was a lot of, lot of times you thought, oh, you got away with that one there. It happened a lot with Celtic in Europe, but when you see him play, you can see the quality, you can see the power on him and he drives some out from the defence well, but he has definitely hand out a lot of his game, hasn't he?
2: He sure has. <laughs> in this game you could probably argue that his defensive partner, Jason Denier, was actually more impressive than him in this game. Yeah he was. He seemed a lot more composed, as very quick Denier as well. Um, I thought he was okay in this game, Van Dyke. Obviously it's even for him at this point in his career, it's a big step up for him. Um but every sort of level he's gone up, he's adapted to it. He's settled really quickly at Southampton. Um and obviously I don't I never saw him being a success he's become at Liverpool to be honest. Um, but he's just kept on going up and up and up in levels um, and you've seen this season Liverpool without him have fallen to pieces
1: Yeah they definitely have and he has a, is a quality player he was decent in this game but if you were to say watching this game that guy's going to be on, go on to be one of the best defenders in the world if you're picking out him in denier you'd probably just let, have denier edge so Celtic are trying to get themselves back into this game Liam Henderson comes on for Stuart Armstrong and John Godetti comes on for Lee Griffiths. Now, John Godetti came to Celtic. I was delighted with that. I thought I'd been calling for it for a while. He was all I could always get him in football manager for Celtic. He just seemed like a guy that would be a perfect fit for Celtic, a Swedish striker. So on the on the fringes at Man City Not really playing Needed to find himself a home And he got off to a smashing start At Celtic He was brilliant He smashed in a hat-trick Against Partick Fissel I remember one night It was an absolute great hat-trick yeah. But Coming into this game He'd sort of fallen out of favour After that blistering start No goals in 10 appearances His last goal was in the 30th of November After that mass- massive start he had And It was also Roberto Mancini That had given him his debut So it came full circle for him And he came on the pitch and this is when things start to change for Celtic. We made another change and Effie Ambrose would have to come on it right back for Adam Matthews because he was struggling with a little injury. But Celtic started to come back into the game, didn't they?
2: They did. um, They went through a wee bit of a lull the second half, but... I think the crowd, as much as anything else, egged Celtic back back into this game. Um, I know it's a bit of a cliche this season, everything that's been said about Lennon and the missing the fans, but the the crowd were fantastic in this uh, occasion. Um, but yeah, once Griffiths went off, Goodetti came on and it gave the crowd that wee lift, I think. Um and yeah, Goudetti, I would like you say similar to yourself, I was excited for Goodetti when Celtic signed him. He'd had an amazing season at Feyenoord I think. He scored about twenty goals in twenty-two games or whatever it was. Um, i like to say he started like a house on fire but he went in a a massive downturn in form over the winter period um, I don't know if it was at this point where he'd already said he wasn't looking to stay it's well, something I think he wanted it January was it? Yeah it could have been something like that um, but yeah it's um, a hell of a gold drought uh, for Goudetti so we didn't really have anyone else apart from Skepovic on the bench um, to replace Lee Griffiths so you're always going to plump for Goudetti over him I think
1: Just in that, thinking back to this Ronnie Dyler team, it was just a cobbled-together team. Neil Lennon's last season, it was definitely the end of the road for that team. Neil Lennon didn't feel he was getting back, so left his job. We were all over the place. Ronnie Dyler was meant to be an assistant to Roy Keane, but ended up getting the job. And I remember, so this is 2015, and at Murrayfield, Celtic fans had banners up screaming at Peter Lawl, because we hadn't signed they basically. I think it was where's the money or something we had up at Murrayfield. And when you look back to that window, what was it? Caso, Skepovic, Tonev, Denier. It was just all loan players, basically. Gudetti, just last minute things. We went out the Champions League. We had, uh, I think we had Timo Puke up front for a couple of Champions League qualifiers. And it was just looking desperate.
2: It sure was, um... They also brought in Craig Gordon, who hadn't played for about four seasons, if I remember. Oh, He's <laughs> number one hate. keeper. Um, but, like you say, I remember those banners at Murrayfield. I also remember one of the few times in my life, it was after Maribor packed us out in the qualifiers, I went round to the car park, do the old Celtic fans cliche, uh, to chant Lowell out, I think. Oh, um, yes. I'd had a few drinks, to be fair, but I remember <laughs> there was a wee crowd of us, just because it was such a disappointing night. it's like, fucking Maribor? Um, yeah. at Celtic Park I was all set up we went over there drew one each I thought man about Celtic Park then you're in the Champions League you can kick on and we fluffed our lines hugely um, so there was a lot of resentment in the stadium that night like I said I had a few drinks so I was straight to the car park with my mate just for a wee bit of a talking uh, protest obviously it didn't amount to anything but even back then there was that lingering feeling of a lack of investment I think had yeah. spent about £11 million over the two seasons he was Celtic manager and even in that, he brought in some gems like Christy and Ayer and Stuart Armstrong as well. Um, he had some duds like Skepovic and Nadir Chifchi but yeah, yes, that's, that's no backing at all for a Celtic manager.
1: No, it's not. I forgot all about the Craig Gordon thing because Fraser Foster played in... Was, did he play in the Legia Warsaw games? I think he I think did.
2: He, yep. I think he played in the Maribor game as well and then he got papped out and I think they sold Foster maybe a couple of days after that. It was quite quick, the turnaround.
1: Yeah, it was, and what I remember from that is Celtic having Craig Gordon on trial. He'd previously been on trial at Rangers, training at Murray Park, and I thought, look, well, that's fine, bring him in, and we'll sign another keeper. Yeah. And then when we didn't sign another keeper, I was like, what's going on? We cannot go from Fraser Foster to a guy that hasn't played football. For- he was a pundit at the time on BBC. <laughs> a very good. boring one at that. It was unbelievable. And look, Ronnie Dial, as you are saying... He'd get no backing whatsoever, we brought this guy in who was meant to improve players which is fair enough, but then when you bring in substandard players, what you were bringing in before, he's only going to improve them to be decent players, rather than bringing in decent players to make them good players, it was a strange, strange strat- strategy from Celtic, and look in this game, we've seen that, like, Freddy Guaraine in the middle of the park was absolutely brilliant in this game, he just dictated play, Brown and uh, Beaton were up against him, they had a tough time, but they gave as good as they got, but... Just when you see guys like that, the quality he has on the ball and Renocchi at the back is just your typical guy you'd expect to play for a team like Inter Milan. Saw is but one of the dirtiest buggers you'll ever see. Holding on at corners, We've we've tactical fouls here and there. He looked brilliant, didn't he? He did. He
2: was sheer filth. Uh, not in a good way for Celtic, sadly. He's actually still at Inter Milan. Um, he's just he's a bit of a veteran defender, but he's still getting... Five, six games a season when they're obviously struggling with injuries He was on loan at Hull City I think A few seasons back Um, But yeah he was very good in this game He tried a ridiculous overhead kick About the 65 minute mark um, Which is one of the worst ones I've ever seen Um, But apart from that He was more or less flawless to be fair to him
1: So that's us Tomo Three subs used Celtic threw everything they had at it, we're getting into added time, there's four minutes added on, and as that four minutes goes up, that's when the place erupts, that's when you get that wee bit of belief that all we needs one chance, and to be fair to Ronnie Dyler, his subs, his subs really did do it, Gary McKay-Stevens is running inside, he gets tackled as he's going towards the the goal, ball falls to Liam Henderson. Instead of taking a touch on the edge of the box, he does this lovely wee first-time dink pass over to Gudetti. He controls it on the chest and lashes at home, and Derek Ray hits out with a Celtic evoke, the spirit of 67, and the place goes absolutely wild. I've got vivid memories of that goal, and you just felt... Billy McNeil said there's a fairy tale about this team, and you just felt that night that... Celtic deserved something out of that game. It just felt like a bit of fate getting something out of that game. It was absolutely brilliant, wasn't
2: it? It was amazing. Um, That was actually, the goal was in my eye line. I was in the Jockstein lower that night and there'd been a few folk folk actually left early um, because the game was kind of, not fizzling out, but I think you know what it's like at Celtic Park. People leave five, ten minutes early all the time. So I had to sort of run of about five or six seats. When that goal went in, like I said, I did a few drinks as well. I had a sort of wee vodka glow about me, so I was singing all night. It was one of the best nights at Celtic Park I've ever had. Uh, that goal went in, like I say, against all odds. I ran along, picked up some wee... Uh, wasn't wee... Prince Nazim Hamid, looking like today, <laughs> a big fat guy, um, hugged him for a couple of seconds. I don't know how managed to lift him, because he was absolutely massive. Um, and it was amazing. It was one of the best feelings I've had at Celtic Park, one of the best European nights. And... Um, an iconic goal from John Goodetti, and that's what he's remembered for at Celtic Park.
1: Yeah, his celebration's good as well. He just runs over to that corner. And for Celtic European games, kind of similar to this, it always seems to be when they score, they run over to that one corner, don't they? The one between the Jockstein and the North Stand. Yeah. It's always that one. That's where Scott McDonald runs over. I think that's where Nakamura runs over. It's... It just seems to be an iconic... Tony Watt, of course, as well. It oh, just seems course. to be that iconic corner. And it just runs away. Like, what were, you, what were you worried about? It is a cool, cool finish. And it's brilliant. The place erupted. I still, I still remember how good it felt. And even though it was a 3-3 free, free draw, and it's very unlikely if Celtic hold on to that, that they'd go through. But it didn't matter, did it? It just didn't matter. Celtic went out, gave their all, got the goal in the last minute. And it was a peach of a goal, wasn't it?
2: It was, he did very well not to snatch it, considering he hadn't scored for about two and a half months, Um, but it was a fantastic finish, like you say, it doesn't really matter that it was only for a 3 each draw, you get swept up on the occasion, the fact that we fought back from 2-0 down um, to two each, and then 3-2 down to three each, when the game looked like it was, we were still giving it our best, it looked like Inter had sort of shored things up a wee bit, we weren't getting too many clear cut chances in the second half, um... Like I say, some fans were leaving early beside me so some people thought it was over but yeah, to pop up with barely any time left and finish like that, right into the roof of the net uh, Yeah, it was outstanding from John Gadetti. The peak of his career, I think.
1: I think so. I think, not not wasted career because he did go on and play in Spain. I think he went on to sell a Vigo and that but he's just one of those guys kind of like my old love, Paddy Roberts. I think he needs to be a good team, an attacking team to really flourish. I don't quite think he got that after Celtic. Some people always think the grass is greener, but I think when you're at Celtic, you're playing in a winning team, you're in a you're in a team that's going to play in Europe all the time. I think it would have been ideal for him if he had screwed the nut. But another guy I want to touch on is Ewan he- and Henderson. See, <laughs> I'm getting mixed up there. Easily his done uh, to be fair. Lee- his brother Liam. The pass is absolutely exquisite, isn't it? It's absolutely exquisite. I wonder if this is where his love for Italian football started and this is why he's ended up there.
2: (laughs) It could well be. Um, I'd actually forgotten it was Henderson that played that little flick pass. I thought it was Stefan Johansson at first glance. Um, But obviously they'd done the replay and it was Liam Henderson. Um, But yeah, it was just the composure to do that. Again, not just lash out and just have a shot at goal or something like that. was tremendous on Liam Henderson um, like you say maybe that did spark his love affair with Italian football uh, Yeah, and again you could probably argue that's uh, the peak of a Celtic career for Liam Henderson the biggest game he's played in didn't really get much of a chance after that under Ronnie Dyla and after that he was did he get loaned out to Rosenberg was that this yeah, before or after this yeah and then after that on his journey with Hibs and then on to Italy subsequently
1: Man, he's had a pretty decent career hasn't he he's one of those guys you always think oh, you always try and hope he's better than he is because he's come through the ranks at Celtic but he just maybe didn't have that quality and as soon as Brendan Rodgers came in he played a few games but he was just never going to get ahead of the guys that were there so that was it Celtic get that goal it's pandemonium in the stands it's an amazing feeling you feel it like we've got something here but it's not over that yet And I'm going get a free kick it's right in the middle sort of Shakiri territory and he takes it and it's one of those ones where the stadium's just so tense because Celtic have got themselves into it they've got themselves back at the game this is literally going to be the last kick of the ball and Shaqiri takes it and Craig Gordon pulls off the save and again the crowd just goes wild as if Celtic have scored and that's the final whistle and the place erupts because Celtic have done their job they've got a great result and This is what it's all about for Celtic, for me. These European nights, as you say, you ran ran away and just grabbed some guy. The just euphoria in the stadium after that, the place is absolutely bouncing. It's just a great, great night. It really, really hits home about not being at the football right now because you just hope we can get back to that at some point and as soon as possible because... That's what it's all about, supporting Celtic for me. Going to those games, being the underdog and getting a result in the end and just hugging on to people, grabbing people. That sheer euphoria when you get that last-minute goal is it's unbeatable, isn't
2: it? It is. Um, like I said, I was watching that earlier tonight, this game, and my missus was watching it with me. And I said, this is what it's supposed to be like being a Celtic fan because all <laughs> she's known this season is empty stadiums and me swearing like, fuck, at the TV, basically. Um but yeah, even she was impressed with, the, like I say, the atmosphere, the Celtic fighting back from two goals down, etc. Um, it's amazing. It's what it's, it's what it's supposed to be as a Celtic fan. That's why Europe is so important to us and why we want to be prepared. All we ask for is Celtic be as well prepared as possible to try and have more nights like this. Um, rather than fucking try to celebrate this, selling players for X amount of money and then wearing that as some kind of badge of honour rather than having more nights like
1: this. That's what it's all about and as the final whistle goes, it goes into the crowd straight to Billy McNeil, it's good to see Billy there of course, the captain that lifted the trophy against Inter Milan but he's alongside Wigman, oh there he is the Wigman, (laughs) what an absolute legend and all. That's it, Celtic go on to the next leg against Inter Milan away in the San Siro, we don't get the result, Virgil van Dijk is sent off for two bookable offences. Two stupid ones I, I can remember thinking, oh, that was really daft. He didn't have to do that. Yep. But that steep learning curve he's on, he went on and sorted himself out. And I think it was a absolute peach from Freddie Guarain that sealed the deal. So once Celtic went down to 10 men, that was it. And I'm sure Gary Mackay-Steven had a really good chance early in that game. He was playing well, but as soon as Van Dyke get sent off, I think it was him that was subbed, so Celtics that was their only sort of outlet, and they were never going to go through in that game, especially when they went down to 10 men. Now Inter Milan went on to play Wolfsburg on, in the next round, and they lost both home and away, and went out 5-2 in aggregate. So that was that, the European adventure was over for Celtic, but after that game, it sort of felt like the, the start of something for Celtic, with a poor start to the season, we managed to get through in the group, once January came around and Ronnie Dyler had sort of settled the team, they knew how they were playing, we had a sort of settled squad. We felt like we were on the start of something, didn't we? That we could push on, try and win the treble as he wanted to do, and then get into the Champions League next year. But it just didn't work out for him, did it?
2: No, it was more um, wheeling and dealing in the summer after Van Dyke left uh, from, from memory. Uh, another failure to get into the Champions League. Um, I think it was Malmo, wasn't it, in the qualifiers that yeah, next fallen exactly. season? Lovely old Joe Gaberget scored against us from memory. One of the most handsome men ever to play for Celtic. <laughs> um, <laughs> an unofficial style icon for me as well. Um, but yeah, it was like that. Was, that three H game was so promising. Like, say the sort of fight we showed, even the ability we showed, the technique to go toe to toe on a land. They've got players like Mateo Kovacic coming off the bench and stuff like that in this game. There was a lot of promise And like I say, A lot of Celtic fans Probably doubted Ronnie Dyler When he first came That was the game I think Everyone was pretty optimistic And they sort of Bought into it But Like I say The, the summer that followed he, I don't think he got many I think we just signed Nadir she Didn't we that summer That was one of our main signings The summer after that um, If that's your sort of Blue chip signing Then you're going to struggle The following season And that's what happened
1: Yeah definitely look, When you look at that team it's got the sort of makings of a really good team. Godetti's going to go, he's not going to stay, so you need to bring in a striker. Denier's going to go back and Van Dijk's likely going to leave. So if you could keep the rest of the team and bring in some quality, but we brought in Boyata, we brought in Simonovic. Decent enough, but we're just, weren't at the level that Van Dijk and Denier were at. Maybe they'd get to, a decent level in a couple of years, but they were just a bit fresh. Boy, I hadn't really played many many first team games, and then up front, as you say, Lee Griffiths needs some competition, needs some help up there, and you bring in Nadir Chifty now. See, Stevens mentioned it before. This was the this is in fact the last game. At Celtic Park before the twenty-minute Tim started the podcast, mm. so that was the last European game before we started the podcast. But I remember Stephen laughing because I said Nadir Chifty was the most underwhelming signing I have ever seen at Celtic <laughs> Park. I just couldn't believe it. Like I'd seen him play, and in that Dundee United team with Mackay Stephen and Armstrong, and I was like, Armstrong, yes, Mackay Stephen, okay, but Chifty. No, it's never going to work out It was never going to work out And it didn't work out We had to bring in Colin Kazim Richards We had to bring in Carlton Cole It's again goes back to the same thing With Celtic every time Recruitment isn't it And not giving their manager a chance It sure
2: is um, Prepare to fail, fail to prepare Is that the right way round? Yep. <laughs> yeah like I say It's just it's Nadir Chips I don't even know where he is these days I'm assuming he's some backwater in Turkey I think yeah, the writing was on the wall for Tyler when that happened. Um, like I say, to go from even just that defensive pairing of Denier and Van Dijk to Boyata and Josel, who was moving to a new country, was already injured. I think from memory, yeah. which is a recurring theme in the Celtic career. And then having to rely on the likes of Tyler Blackett in some games of oh, all season. I forgot about Tyler. Uh, <laughs> it was. It's unfortunate the way it went for Dialer. But like, like you say This three each game Looked like it was going to be the catalyst For something special um, But unfortunately It was the highlight of his time probably
1: it, I, would, I would definitely say it is a highlight of his time That first game against Rangers Rangers were brutal And then mm. second game he obviously lost But this game just Gave you a bit of hope And I always thought like Maybe we can push on from here But it just didn't happen for Ronnie There's, there's managers that come and go That don't really last at Celtic They don't have that one game Now we recently done a podcast About Dr Joe Venglos And he had that 5-1 game This is Ronnie Dyler's sort of game isn't it Where he went up against a really good team Got a decent result But he just felt it was a start of something And it's one of those games where The football sort of takes a, a back seat for me it was all about the atmosphere It was absolutely electric this game Valencia went under Martin O'Neill It's just one of the uh, the Brendan Rodgers Man City game Just a special special atmosphere wasn't it And it's what Celtic are all about
2: It was and it's what you want to look forward to When we do get back in the stadiums Whether that will happen next season Whatever competition we're in I highly doubt it will be the Champions League <laughs> um, But uh, yeah, that's what football's all about It's what Celtic Park's all about And it's like I say, one of the best games I've been to at Celtic Park In my entire
1: life Same for me Tomo And I think that's a great place to leave it One of my favourite games One of your favourite games And I'll do go back and watch this It's an absolute cracker from start to finish And you'll see what we're talking about here Celtic, not the best players But just honesty And they got the result But you'll be able to feel that atmosphere in the stadium Well Tomo, thanks for joining me
2: Thanks for having
1: me on, Melly. Not a problem, a pleasure as always. And as the song goes, take me to your auntie's house, I want to see your uncle. <laughs>
0: Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra.